What's up, everyone? It's your host, Jonah. Welcome to the Blue Collar Enlightenment Show, where we learn new things every episode through conversations with guests from all around America and around the globe. So hit that sub button so you can keep up with the journey. Today, we have Dennis Mullen, actor, producer, casting director, and entrepreneur. Thanks for joining me, Dennis. How are you doing? Doing great, man. How are you today, Jonah? What's going on? I hope I didn't butcher that last name. Malin. No, you you were good. You were good. <laughs> I uh I was on one show a while ago in Chicago and I, you know, every she'd say Dennis Mellon. And I said, Malin. Yes, and thank you, Dennis Mellon. Malin. And it was we went back and forth like a dozen times. And it was just hysterical. Oh yeah. You know? And then I explained to her, honor my father. I'm junior. I'm Dennis Jr. She's like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I go, it's all right, sweetheart. Things happen, you know. Yeah, I've but, been there. I've been there. I'm not even going to lie. I I didn't put the <laughs> show out that way. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe that. <laughs> anyway, all through grammar school. Yeah, all so, through school, man. They butchered my name, bro. Oh, so all through oh, school, they, they did. butchered it. I feel yeah, that. It was crazy. I feel that all kinds of different. Jonah, Jana, all of it. I heard it Oh, all my gosh, yeah. So yeah, t- you know it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, me and my listeners. Okay. I've uh, been acting, producing for about 27 years. Uh, born and raised in New Jersey. I was born in Newark, New Jersey. And uh, we lived to Car- in Kearney, New Jersey. Kearney, New Jersey was soccer town. and probably still is soccer town, USA. Uh, went to high school with uh, a bunch of World Cup soccer players. Also a bunch of uh, Olympian rowers people that rode for the U.S. in the Olympics. So, you know, straight C student, middle of the road type of guy, certainly not overly popular, certain not overly not, and uh, really didn't bust chops and, you know, kind of got uh, got the job done. I mean, totally the underachiever, <laughs> not supposed to really accomplish much. But then I, you know, got out of school, got in it, did college, did all that, and I wound, wound up in technology. And I was a young technology executive, managed a company, different companies for quite some time. And then I really got the acting bug. And uh, I attributed it to a uh, good friend of mine, one of my mentors, Jim Demonic. That's really his last name, Demonic. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, he looks like Robert Baratheon. Just, you know, Shakespearean, long hair, beard, just stately. And uh, we're both Freemasons. And every Friday in Manhattan, we get together for scotch and cigar. And I'd always walk in in a three-piece suit and always say, oh, look at this kid. He came from Central Casting. Oh, look at this guy. What a good-looking guy. And after he embarrassed me, you know, three, six, a dozen times, I'm like, all right, well, do you think I have a shot, Jim? He's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. So he basically stepped me through each thing. My first everything, Jonah, was stage. I did Of Mice and Men. I was Lenny. Oh, my gosh. Talk about jumping into the deep end. Of the pool without any water in it water i drink water without any water in it and it was just a great experience but i quickly realized that i was a method actor because i was bringing the character home i wasn't able to release the character and the feelings and the embodiment of who lenny is well i brought that home and it just didn't serve me i i wasn't aware of how to release that and how to serve me you know, I was able to serve the character, serve the script, serve the audience. I wasn't able to serve me. So about the third performance, uh, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm driving back to New Jersey through the Lincoln Tunnel. 
And I, I, I talked to Jim. I'm like, look, I can't do this. I'm depressed. I'm crying. I'm all over the place. What is going on? I'm so emotional. He's like, obviously, you're a method actor. I'm like, Jim, I don't know what that means, man, but I'm out. Finished my uh, obligation, you know, finished my contract. And literally, I quit for two weeks, Jonah. Two weeks to the day, it seemed. I got a call for an audition that was at noon. So it was at lunch, two blocks from my office in Manhattan. Jonah, if it was two and a half blocks, if it was three blocks, I wouldn't have went. Two blocks, I said, what the heck? Let's go do it. I'm already in the suit. I went in there. It was a China Airlines commercial. I nailed it. I crushed it. I got booked for it. So my first audition, I crushed and I booked, which is unheard of. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a strong work ethic outside of that because there's really just two things you can manage, right? What's that? Your attitude and your work ethic. You wake up every morning and you have a decision to make. Am I going to be a victor? Am I going to be a a victim? You know, and, um, you know, nine times out of 10, I choose to be a victor (laughs) and make the right decision and go for it. But now I've been uh, I live in Florida now. I've been down here eight years and I'm having a good run. I'm having a lot of fun and uh, I'm able to help out new actors, which I do all the time. And I've got a, a busy 23 coming up. I look at 2022, uh, a lot of lot of projects, really crushing my goals for 22, and I'm looking ahead to 23. I'm already booking out half the year, so there's a lot of opportunity down here. There's a lot of opportunity across the spectrum, and what I'm happy about every other day there seems to be a new streaming platform, right? There, there's always something new. You know, the, the the Jonah streaming network. Just there's always something new. And with that, it's a, it's a, it's an avenue for new writers and new actors and new content. So there's a lot of opportunity, but are you positioned to benefit from that and to capitalize on that? That's really what it comes down to. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. You know, my definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. That's my definition of luck, bro. Right. So, and it, there, how much work goes into a role that you're trying to just even audition for? Sure. Well, I look at auditioning like going to the gym, right? We all, you have, you work out, we all have our gym goals. You want to lose weight, you want to gain weight, you want to get bigger arms, bigger legs, et cetera, et cetera. You don't get that by just walking into the gym, saying hi to your buddies and walking out. You get that by doing the reps, okay? How do you get the big roles? You do that by doing the auditions. You do that by doing short films you do it by doing indie stuff you build up your muscle to it auditioning to me and i and i I preach this all the time to uh to people i work with and newer actors embrace the audition the audition is the work the audition is like doing the reps at the gym you work out yes i do do you remember do you remember how many reps you did in total last week no i don't have a clue okay how many auditions did you have well i had five self-tape auditions I got one callback. I go, well, that's a great ratio. That's 20%. That's tremendous. How about you, Dennis? I have no idea. I don't count the reps. I count the success. You you get that point? That there's a paradigm right there. Knowing that the reps, knowing that the auditions are the work, I don't track that. My manager tracks that. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear if it's 1,000 to 1. I don't want to hear if it's 10 to 1. I don't want to hear if it's 2 to 1. Just let me do my thing. I've got my process. Now, 
the process of actually doing it, I, I got emailed a script today from LA that I have to, uh, I have to turn it around in a week's time. So my process and what I do, and, I, and I've got a funny story. I hope we can, we can catch up with it regarding scripts and process. I'll read the entire script beginning to the end, at least a dozen times. Cause I want to know for sure where my character ties in. Cause a lot of people just print out their pages and focus on that. Well, that's, you're doing yourself an injustice. You're doing the entire production cast and crew an injustice. You need to know your intentions and how it fits. Okay. So that's my process. After I read it a dozen times and truly understand the story, where it's going, what my impact is, then I focus on my character. And when I do my character development, um, I turn over a few pages and I start developing who I am. Okay. Well, you know, I'm an ex-Korean vet. I'm a Purple Heart. You know, I, I've got, I got wounded in, in the war. Okay. I'm an alcoholic. I'm divorced twice. My kids hate me. You know, I, I'm, I'm on the verge of being homeless. I just go through this because it affects my psyche. And I develop it, develop it, develop it where it's so granular. And when I meet with a producer, writer, director, we, we kind of do, I call it the Vulcan mind melt, just compare notes, make sure I'm on the same page with them and, and their thoughts of the character. Nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm pretty spot on. Nine times out of 10, I'm pretty spot on. So, and then I just focus. You see, our obligation as artists, as actors, and I got this from Tom Hanks, you know, first and foremost, if you're on time, you're late. Always be early. If you're on time, you're late. Learned that from my grandfather a lifetime ago. You got to be off book. You got to have your script memorized. You got to bring 10 different ideas, man, because a lot of directors are technical, but they might not be creatives per se. I've come across both. So if I had nothing to go by, uh, the whole thing would go kaput. So, you know, we have obligations to the cast and the crew and they have obligations to us. And when you find a good crew and a good cast, you make magic. You, you really do, man. You make magic and it's so much fun. So has there ever been a character that you've gotten so deep into that it's changed your personality on the outside? You know, that's a great question. I'm not a serial killer. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I, I played some crazy stuff, bro. You look at my IMDb like, whoa, I'm not Lenny. Lenny, Lenny was an interesting character. He's an interesting character, right? Lenny has some issues. Let's just say some issues. We don't. We got to be PC about it. But um, I, I'm able to let things go, and I've learned how to let things go. Friends of mine consider me a fit, fitness freak because I might be cut from set at 2 a.m. Well, where's Dennis at 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? He ain't sleeping. He's, he's running five months. <laughs> or I'm in the gym changing my physiology. Now, if you look at some of the greats, Robin Williams, method actor, rest in peace. Heath Ledger, rest in peace. Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. River Phoenix, rest in peace. Joaquin Phoenix, okay. Uh, uh, Christian Bale. Um, I can keep going. Al Pacino, okay. So, you know, Kenneth Branagh, Derek Jacoby. There are so many of them out there. You need to learn how to manage your instrument and how to break away from it. And thank God I learned early on I'm, I'm not a big drinker. I'm a, I'm a two scotch guy. I'm a two beer guy. I'm two glass of red wine. 
not at the same time, <laughs> but I'm not a big drinker. So thank God for that. So do you see a lot of these newer actors, they find a problem with that? Is that they get into a role and they get too deep and get stuck with that personality? I really haven't seen that. What I've seen is that it's interesting when newer actors discover they have it. <laughs> when that light bulb goes on, it is magic. I did a movie. I did a short called Chances. Dark, 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 dark. I think it's on. I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Twenty minutes short, thirty minutes short. I'm working with a newer actor, David Aldean, a kid from Miami, twenty something. Nice, nice guy. Um, we meet on set for the first time. He goes, Dennis, I'm, I'm really worried. I go, what's the matter? He goes, I'm not off book. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I, I can't remember the lines. I go, excuse my French. I go, fuck the lines. He looks at me, what? I go, I'm going to give you so much energy. So I'm going to give you so much. You're either going to want to give me a hug once we're done, or you're going to want to kick my ass or probably both. Now the kid had no idea what I was talking about. Cause that was his first everything, right? It's his first everything. So I'm the antagonist and we're going back and forth and I'm getting more antagonizing and he's getting more pissed at me. Well, there's one scene, a kind of a climactic scene where he punches the table, the table breaks, wood chips and blood come flying at my face. Now, all I can think was staying a kid, staying a kid, staying a kid. And I'm thinking that's his Leo DiCaprio moment, right? Django Unchained, right? You know that? Mm -hmm. Leo stand glass in a glass cup. And a glass, um, glass. So um, I we went about another thirty seconds. Cut. I looked to the director. I go, please tell me you got that. Yeah, we got that. So he had such a breakthrough, Jonah. He'll never be back as an actor. It's like it's like a rubber band, right? You know, you know the deal. You stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. It's never going to go back to its original form. Just like working out. Just like acting. You stretch yourself, stretch yourself, stretch yourself for his next project, whatever it is, whatever it's going to be. The kid is that much better. It, it, does that make sense at all? Mm -hmm. You know, so his skill level alone. And that's the give and take of acting. That's the give and take. You know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of really good people, a lot of veterans, a lot of newbies that we thrive off of each other. Now, I've been on sets where everybody's flat. <laughs> You know, the, the dialogue I'm getting is flat. So now I have to overcompensate. And the director's like, thank God you're here. But, you know, that's few and far between, if that makes sense. Right. And you always want a set. It's kind of like a workplace for me. You want everybody to mesh. You want everybody to be yeah. able to work together. No drama, anything like that. No, I see where no. you're getting. Yeah, you need harmony on set. I, mean, I you know, I guess it, as I get into my dotage, I, I had this, this one scene in a movie called Nightwind. It's a Ken Montana movie. And I, I'm literally handcuffed to this chair. I've got an undershirt on. I'm dirty. I've got blood. I got cotton in my mouth. I got blood in my mouth. And this guy's beating the heck out of me. I'm, I'm his hostage. I look over. There's a PA that's making fun of me. And I'm like, I'm the lead actor in this film. And I, I made... I. You know, I, I checked him right in front of everybody. I go, who's your favorite actor? John Smith. It doesn't matter. I go, if John Smith was sitting here in this chair, would you be acting the way you're doing you, with what you're doing right now? I go, I'm the lead. Do you want this thing to be successful or not? If this was New York, you would have been thrown out and your legs would have been broken. 
why are you trying to disrupt the actors during the process? And, you know, everybody else was shaking their head. They got it. And the kid got it. I apologized afterwards to everyone. But the kid understood it. Okay? You don't know who I am. You want to play with me? You want to bust my chops? We'll do it once we're wrapped. Not during work. This is not playtime. This is work. So. Right. You don't want everybody uh, stirring the pot. That's not how you make good stew. (laughs) No. Hey, my first everything was devil's advocate. When Mr. Pacino was on set, Jonah, you could hear a pin drop. You could hear a pin drop. Now, that's respect, right? But if a PA would have looked at Pacino and started making fun of him, what do you think would have happened to that guy, that gal, that PA? What do you think would have happened? It's New York 30 years ago. How was it working with him? How was it being on the set with him? It was uh, it was surreal. It was surreal because literally, so, you know, Devil's Advocate, Keanu Reeves, Craig T. Nelson, just a great, great cast and crew. Uh, Tyler Hackford, Taylor Hackford was the director, big burly Viking guy, big, big hair. Uh, I think he's still married to Helen Mirren. Uh, they don't call me back anymore. So I think they're still married. Now, I got picked out of a crowd. Now, it's my first SAG feature. So I get picked out of a crowd. I'm in, in a big courtroom scene. And literally, Mr. Pacino is over my right shoulder. Keanu is f- f- 10 feet in front of me. Craig T. Nelson's to my left. Action. Taylor Hackford goes, cut. You, you, out. The two extras next to me, he kicked out. And he looks because no, you're fine. And my blood pressure just went, whoop. Ooh, I look over my shoulder. What do I see? I see Mr. Pacino. You're fine, son. Thank you, sir. Like, what the hell? And then I look up and Keanu turns back and, you know, he kind of, he smiles. I smile. It just, it was, it was surreal. It really was kind of cray cray. Um, you know, the issue was you have to, what are you laughing about? The issue is you have to have an intention. And I quickly surmised I'm in the big courtroom scene. This billionaire real estate developer is on trial. Anybody we know? This guy's on trial. And I've got to act the role so quickly. Who am I? Well, I'm in a nice suit. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. So that's what I, that was my intention. So action. And I'm kind of looking around. I'm juking. I'm jiving. I'm paying attention to the case. That's what you need to do. As an actor, I don't care if you're an extra walking down the street. You need an intention. Because why are you there? Why are you walking by? Just for filler? Maybe. But walk by our purpose. You're there anyway. Act like you own it. So, right. It's got to be as lifelike as possible, or nobody's going to be interested. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's it. It's the little details. I mean, YouTube today, they will pick you apart with your films, with all sure. these different podcasts for uh, film reviews to the smallest detail. They'll get you. You know, I'm. Uh, I'm a big House of Dragon fan, and um, I, you know, watching an episode last night, at last episode of the season. Now, my brother has read the books, and when when we're into something, we just we we jump in head first, bro. My brother's read all the books. I read the most recent book. Brian knows it inside and out. So we <laughs> we had a call today for about forty minutes, and he was analyzing and going over what was wrong, what he enjoyed about it, and what he wished which was different. So I said, you remember I had an audition for it? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I remember. He goes, what were you up for? I go, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? 
I go, I, I really, it's an audition. You know, he goes, yeah, but you got to remember that stuff. That stuff's important. I go, yeah, it is what it is. So, but it was really interesting. Now I'm hoping it doesn't take five years until season two comes out. Cause that'd be a heartbreak. That'd be disappointing. Yeah. So when you do go for an audition and you read a part or the, or the casting people up there, are they like, if they don't want you for a certain role, will they say, Hey, he might be good for this other role and then call you in and say, Hey, we'd like to, instead of this, what you read, we'd like to have you do this one. Yes. Yes. And that happens quite often. That happens quite often. I mean, even doing a self tape audition, right. You know, with, with COVID, which I was very busy during COVID during the pandemic. Thank God. So if it's a self tape audition and same auditioning for the, for the sheriff. Right. And I don't look too pretty two shoes. I might look better being the bad guy. All right. Cause I, I, I don't know. I got that big nose and the curly hair. I might look like the bad guy. Right. So they'll, they'll call you. Or if you're, if you're there in the casting office, they'll have you read for something else right then and there because you've got everybody right there. I had an audition and uh, I booked a film with Dean Kane. I guess eight, nine months ago, a year ago. I don't remember exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I went in there and I auditioned for three characters right then and there. I went bang, 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 you know? And they're like, what are you auditioning for? I'm going to, I'm going to uh, audition for John, James and Paul. I'm like, all right, let's go. And I, I crushed it. I crushed all three. That's all. Awesome. You know? So now it's a matter of them saying, okay, this guy's strengths. Who else do we have? So you've got to, you've got to be flexible enough. You got to be versatile enough and you have to be able to dance on your toes, bro. Hey, jump. How high? Just do what you got to do. So what is it that you find most enjoyable about acting? You get to explore different avenues that you may not have explored in life. You know, from driving a 1950s car in a in a Humphrey Bogart type thriller, drama thriller, uh, like Dahlia that just came out. I'm at the Howie Mansion, Howie in the Hills, Florida. It was a 1950s style noir black and white movie. And I'm channeling Humphrey Bogart and driving a 56 car. Okay. Then another movie, um, Ken Montano's movie, I'm driving 86 IROC Z. That's more my type of car, my generation. Then in another movie, I'm in a DeLorean. So it's just, and the characters that I play, I'm not typecast because I get everything across the board, but I love drama. I've got a feature coming out this week called Great People. And Great People, Romilla Blade, writer, director, producer. Romilla Blade is, a, is our next Mel Brooks. Our next Mel Brooks, hands down, bro. Hands down. Nothing is left off the table. Nothing is sacrosanct. He goes into politics. He goes into religion. He goes into sex. My character's name is Madoff. Okay? So let that sink in for a second. And I got cast sight unseen. I did not audition for it. And I was the last person to get cast. And we did interviews last week or so. And it's funny because I was at a casting. I was up at Heather Hines' office in Orlando, Florida. And I'm in the room with my good friends, Essex O'Brien and Austin Janowski. And I'm in a suit because whatever it was, it was. And they look at me and they go, Madoff. 
Madoff. I'm like, yeah, Bernie. Bernie's dead, right? He's in jail. He's dead. What? What's the deal? And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. They, they blew me off. Literally the next day, I'm at a, a coffee shop with a good friend of mine, Diana. And I get this phone call. Hi, it's Ramilla Blade. I'd like to talk to you about a role. I want to offer you the lead role in our film, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, terrific. I go, send me the script and I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you next week, you know, whatever. Uh, well, I'll send you the script. It's in your email right now, but I need you on set tomorrow morning. I go, oh, wardrobe, fitting. What? No, no, we're going to be we're shooting tomorrow. I need you on set tomorrow. Now, I told you my process about 20 minutes ago, right? Mm-hmm. How I read the script, how I develop the character, et cetera, et cetera. Script comes in, 200-page script, 200-page script. I am in 40% of this 200-page script, okay? Don't know anybody else cast, know nothing. So I show up on set, and I show up early as I do, and I'm looking at it. People are looking at me. I don't know anybody. I don't know what we're shooting today. I know nothing about nothing. I walk in the green room. Thank God I saw a few friends of mine. So I was able to calm down and, and kind of feel comfortable. And they're like, well, Dennis, who, oh, oh, you're made off. Oh my gosh. That's it. We've got this scene today. That scene today. You want to run lines? Uh, yeah, man, I haven't read the script. So what do you got? So <clears throat> now I've seen it about half a dozen times. It's a two hour feature. It's, it's premiering at a festival, Orlando film fest this weekend. And then Romello is looking to get a distribution deal and do a theatrical release and go from there. But I got to tell you, it is it is freaking hysterical. Now, comedy is tough to do. Comedy is the toughest genre to do. But when opportunity comes a knocking, bro, you got to look at it. You're baptized by fire. You can you can make a decision real quick. Nah, this sounds. Nah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Now I'm intrigued. You trust me enough. You're casting me side unseen. First off. It was fortuitous that I was even in the casting office two days ago. Didn't get cast in it. None of us did. Whatever. Here we are. I'm sitting across a friend of mine. I'm her son's godfather. And here we're just BSing about whatever, having a latte. Boom. I'm in. And I got to tell you, outside of watching Dahlia yesterday, which by far has got to be one of, if not my best work, I'm so excited to see great people. I am so jazzed, bro. I cannot wait. So we're, I think we're going Saturday at like five o'clock. I'll be there Saturday at noon, <laughs> ready to go, you know? That's but, awesome. So what is it you. like watching yourself up on the screen? And you're just, do you sit there and critique yourself as you're watching <laughs> the movie? What or, do you think? Or do you sit there and enjoy it? What do you think? Well, you, you know, me. You, we've spoken a few times. What do you think? Man, I'm right there it with sucks. you because, I mean, I'll sit there and I will listen to <laughs> my podcast back and I will be like, oh, you should have worded it like this. You need to be a little more quick with your, with your speech, stuff like that. And so uh-huh. I'm critiquing myself, but sometimes I like to go back and I'll listen to them again and I'll just – immerse myself in the conversation and instead of nitpicking myself i'll try to enjoy it because that's what i'm here for to enjoy this not to uh so if if you're a widget maker okay and it's your company it's your design you're a widget maker are you satisfied with the last widget you made yeah you're making hundreds of millions you're the elon musk of widgets okay but are you going to get stagnant and complacent are you going to try to keep improving yourself day in, day out? I hate 
and I don't use that word, ask anybody, capital H, watching myself. Dahlia, man, I was I was impressed. I was I was totally impressed by the director's passion, the way he was able to communicate, by the shots that he picked up, by my interaction with my fellow actor, Andrew G. Johnson. And I, I was totally impressed. So he's gonna he's gonna through through some festivals. He got some stuff with it with me. But yeah, there's always something to improve on. I'm the worst person. If you and I went out to go watch a movie, name a movie, any movie, you don't want to sit next to me because I'm gonna drive you batty. Because <laughs> I'm gonna pick it apart. Because that's how I learn. That's how I learn. Well, and if that's... I'm not enjoying it, I start shaking and I leave early. I can't do this. I can't waste my you know. Don't ask me what movies I've walked out of. I'm not telling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally get that. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah, I just think it's uh, uh, something instilled in us from probably our parents just to always keep working hard, always keep working hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was watching something earlier. You know, I, I don't, I'm not going to quote it verbatim because I'll, I'll screw it up. But, you know, each generation works harder, better than next, right? You might drive a Cadillac, your son's going to drive a Mercedes, your grandson a Ferrari, but then your great grand will be back walking to work. What tough times makes, makes hard men, right? Lean times creates weak men, or you, you know the adage. And I mean, I, I will be the generation that changes my family name. You know, I've got so many great mentors. Ed Milet, uh, great entrepreneur, great businessman, financial professional, uh, podcaster, TV show, just just tremendous. He had his children on a podcast. Now, Ed's worth, I don't know, 200 million, whatever, quarter billion, who knows, right? But his son is like, you know, they go to college and they're like, yeah, oh, you're Ed Milet's son? Yeah, I'm Ed Milet's son. Oh, my gosh, you must have a Ferrari. No, I, I got a got a pickup truck. What do you mean? It's in, you know, 2001, blah, blah, blah. So it comes down to kind of, you know, what you're focused on and, and how grounded you are. So that's, I mean, I've got so many things I need to do left in this world that I, <laughs> I got to catch up real quick. So, you know, people are concerned that I'm burning out. I'm not burning out. Uh, you know, I, I know what I need to do in my downtime. I need to hydrate. I need to take care of myself. I get it. But uh, you got to make hay while the sun shines. Mm-hmm. You got to make hay while the sun shines. If you look at my my pre-production stuff, I think I've got 20 projects in pre-production. And when I'm not busy, I'm either auditioning or reading scripts because I need to keep pushing the ball forward every day. I am the widget maker, and this is what I do. If I don't go out there and hunt it, okay, catch it, dress it, kill it, eat it. I don't eat. And that, that's how, that's how people, you have to look at this business because I will outwork anyone. People have said, I'm the hardest working guy in Florida. Okay. Terrific. Florida. Well, that's the microcosm, isn't it? <laughs> As compared to the rest of their business. So, but that's okay. I'm going to keep my head down, not share what I do, how I do it. And by the time I look up and smell the roses be like, wow, Looks pretty good up here. The sun is shining. Look at that big house, man. Look at that car, right? And then put my head back down and keep grinding. That's so, me. Now I have no idea why 
I've got that work ethic and where it's installed instilled in me. I think it's, I think it comes from fear. I think a certain aspect comes from fear because, you know, I, a lot of times I was one step away, one step away, you know? Yeah. The fear of, you know, being right there and then letting it fall out of your fingertips. One step from being homeless, one step from being, you know, this, this. So. Yep. I get you. And Um, I've never said that on a show before. (laughs) When you're acting, the sustainability, how how hard is it to sustain when you have to, you know, work another job just to make ends meet these these, uh, actors that are coming in? Sure. It's probably hard to su- sustain, you know, doing two things at once. Well, how big is your dream? How big are your goals? You know, what's your work ethic? Um, I coach a bunch of new actors and they're like, well, I'm going to quit my job. No, you're not. No, you are not. You're not going to quit your job. No, 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 no. You're going to discipline yourself that after nine to five, you're going to go act until 2, 3 a.m., wake up at 7, do your 9 to 5. That's what I did. And I was 25 years old. I had a good full-time gig. And I was able to use my cell phone, use my laptop from anywhere I was. And I was part of the digital economy before they created a digital economy. I was just doing it. And a lot of people were offended. I'm like, look, I'm making a decision to follow a passion. It's none of your business. I don't need to share with anybody. You got a full-time job. Yeah, I'm running a damn company. So you want to be the starving waiter? You do you. And I looked at it. You say about sustainability. I looked at it when I was 25 years old in Manhattan. What is there, 10, 15 million of me? You know, I could play the young father, young businessman. I could never play the Calvin Klein model. Why not, man? I'm ugly enough. I was skinny enough. I could have, I mean, come on now. What, what the, what's, what's the deal? But my mentality was, if I can if I can stay in the business and I can keep pushing the ball forward every day in five years, in 10 years, that 10 million might go down to five. Okay? So now I'm 35 years old and I'm consistent. Consistent a gig a week, a few gigs a month. Consistency while having a full-time gig. When I'm getting older, less and less and less and less and less. Okay? Now, if you look at commercials... What do you really see on TV these days in commercials? You see the white hair beauties, right? The 70-somethings. So, you know, the majority of male actors, and you can look at it, you can run the numbers, really start hitting their stride, you know, in their, in their 40s and 50s. Because let's face it, 40 today is not like our fa- father's 40, Mm-mm. okay? 50, 60 is not like our father's 50 and 60. It's not. It's not. I mean, Wilfred Brimley, they they showed a picture of him at 50 years old, and they show a picture of Tom Cruise at 50 years old. Come on. Night and day. Okay? Different technology, different knowledge, different whatever, but taking care of your instrument. Longevity is taking care of your instrument. Longevity is, is doing a wide array of work. I met the actor Barry Corbin. Uh, last year, last November, down in Texas, I was down there for a film festival. Now, you might know him for, from War Games back in the day with Matthew Broderick. 
you might know him now from Yellowstone. Okay. That man has been consistent. So when you're with a living legend like that, what do you ask? How do you stay so consistent? You've got to have a range of roles. You can never say no. And I already knew that, but hearing it from his lips, oh my gosh, I got goosebumps. Cause I was like, all right, I, I'm, I'm on my way because my characters are so very different every time, you know? So I, I show range and I can keep pushing forward. So it, it was really nice meeting him. He's such a great guy. Such a sweetheart. Yeah. Speaking of uh, getting, once you get that role, how, how much work and how much do you have to like research and uh, kind of place yourself in that environment type uh to get in to get ready for it sure well i can't speak for anyone i can just speak for me and i I shared with you my process so it is work it is work you just don't show up on the set and you go into that mode now a lot of it is instinctual but you've got to do your work you got to do your work and that's what you know great people (laughs) if if I had a chance to do the work, I, I definitely would have been a lot better. But you, you really have to take the time and you have to look at it like a business. If I was your employee and I show up, showed up for work not prepared, okay, or I was late or whatever, would you, would you keep me on? Would you hire me again? Would you tell all your friends and how great I am as an employee? No, you wouldn't. It's human nature. So I have a responsibility to my cast, to my crew, to the writers, to the directors. And I've got a responsibility to the men and women that work hard to buy a ticket to watch my movie. I've got a responsibility to them, you know, because let's face it. I mean, good, bad or indifferent, you know, times are tight, right? So I have a responsibility to bring my AAAA game every time. And that's how I look at it. It's a it's a responsibility that if you like what you do and you want to stay in this thing, you better take it serious and you better take it serious quick. So you are you able to change your voice and get the different accents and everything that they're wanting? Well, you know, certain accents you need to work on and there's dialect coaches for that and you can pull off certain things. I try to I try to mirror Mr. Kevin Spacey from Midnight in a Garden of Good and Evil. Might not be the most popular name right now, but great actor either way. No, you can. Um, I was hired for a movie that that fell bust to play a World War II um, Yugoslavian general, and the producers like, "Can you learn? You, you just, I can. I can learn anything. What are we shooting? Eight months. Okay, sign the contract. Pay me half. I'll go learn Yugoslavian and with an accent. My mentor, fortunately, taught voice. So when I call up Jim and Jim, I need a Southern accent. He's like, all right, what dialect? What do you mean with Southern, Jim? Southern, Florida. Okay, South Florida Central. Jim, I don't I don't know, Jim. He goes, well, find out. And I call the producer. What type of Southern accent do you want? Southern. So it's just, it's interesting. When you deal with, with, with Jim Demonic at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and Sciences, they are just the uber next level of, of everything. So I know when I talk to Jim, I've got to be prepared. But yeah, man, I um, I had an audition and uh, they wanted me to have a uh, a Cockney accent, more of a Londoner accent. 
And they wanted me to audition in two days. And I'm like, that wasn't fair. Give me two weeks. I'll come up with an accent, you know, two days. And I just, I, I couldn't figure it out. And I tried to YouTube it. I tried to DIY it and I could, I couldn't get it done, but you give me time. A lot of times a producer called me up like, like RJ, RJ Hendricks, um, killer Miller. Dennis, you, do you know how to ride a horse? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. When are we shooting six months, months from now? Boom. Sign a contract. I'm on a horse the same day. So, Look at uh, Keanu Reeves, learn how to surf, learn how to parachute. Tom Cruise, oh my gosh, there's nothing that guy won't do, okay? So you're always learning a new skill. You're always growing. Fight scenes. I still do a lot of my own stunts. So it's it's fun, and you're always growing. There's always something to learn. So what what's the craziest role you've auditioned for? Or that you've even got called on, like the most wildest thing you've had. Wow, that's gonna make me think a sec. You know, the most like wildest as in character, wildest as in define that for me. Like, what do you like? I don't even know why I'm thinking about taking. Well, this. the huntress. If you look at the huntress, you know, I'm playing a, a kind of a rogue special agent, if you would. I had. I had big hair in Jersey. We don't grow it long. We grow it big. My hair is curly. It just grows high. It doesn't grow long. But I had big hair and I had a big beard for killer Miller. So I'm doing a huntress. We open it up and I, I'm, I'm butt naked <laughs> in bed. That's the opening scene. Bang, butt naked, get out of bed, butt naked. Boom. Um, then I'm, I'm walking on this boat and, I, and I'm, I'm fighting with this little girl that I'm, I'm protecting. Then I've got, a gun in my hand, and I got a motorcycle circling me this close, okay, where if she slips on a motorcycle, I'm dead. I'm gone, period. Broken leg, broken something. Then I get into a fight with Janice Fisher, great actress down here in Florida, and I don't block correctly, so I get a concussion. I get a, uh, what was it? I get a roundhouse to the face. I get a roundhouse to the head. And instead of covering up with my entire arm, I just cover it with my hand. I'm supposed to flip <laughs> into the camera with a mat about an inch thick and I flipped into the camera, got a concussion and you know, the, the, the camera auto operator, the DP was like, Oh my God, that was brilliant. Can you do it again? I'm like, yeah, not no, really. That, <laughs> Give that's me a, a once in a lifetime ordeal. What you know, so that, that was, that was fun. You know, we, we trained on the fight sequence uh, quite some time, but that had many different elements. That was just uh a little cray cray, a lot of fun. And, you know, hey, we're all better for it. That's the thing. So has there been any uh times that you you maybe your your uh what do you call managers or agents has called agents, you up manager and uh said, Hey, I got this role for you and you've you just went off and said, What the hell are you calling me about this for? Why would you even think to call me thinking I want to take this role. Well, that's not my personality, first and foremost. And I, I rarely say no. So I say rarely because I, I said no recently. I got a, got a call recently. And uh, Dennis, we want you to pay, play a Catholic bishop. All right. I got the collar. I'm good. Uh, you're doing an exorcism in Latin. And I'm like, what? Latin? I go, is that a dead language? Yeah. I go, is there a Latin expert on set? No. So what am I reading from? Some scroll. 
So I'm thinking real quick, no, I'm going to open up a can of whoop ass on myself. No, no. And, and, oh, by the way, how much, what are you offering? No, no, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, but I, I literally walked away from that. And I guess that was maybe a year ago now, give or take, but that, you know, I, um, I, I rarely say no. I was up in Savannah, Georgia, um, earlier this month. And I love Savannah. It's my second favorite city. And we had a scene on the riverfront in this alleyway where it was all cobblestones and high cement walls with lamps. Jonah, I thought I was in London. I thought I was in London. I was loving it so much. It was so beautiful. And we had to permit to be there, but it was still a live walkway. So there's restaurants, there's clubs, there's people walking by. So they're seeing a live performance. And what's going on? I'm a homeless guy. Okay. Range. I'm a homeless guy. And I'm yelling at my son, not knowing he's my son. So I'm sitting on the stairs. We took a break. I'm sitting on the stairs from, from this. No, I'm sitting on the, uh, on the bench, part of this restaurant. The manager comes out and goes, Hey, is that your garbage? I'm like, no, now mind you, I'm in full beard wardrobe. I'm homeless and I embody my homelessness. So you can't sit there. And I just look up still as a homeless man. Okay. And I, I just, I, I felt so degraded because this person didn't know that I'm an actor. So the way you treat the least of us, right, is the way you're going to be treated. And here I am playing a homeless guy and you're treating me like a homeless guy. So it was, uh, it was really interesting. You know, we wrapped and I sat with the director and he's like, well, what happened with that restaurant? I go, she really thought I was homeless. She goes, well, man, you're just, you're just that good. It was really, you, you know, you embodied that. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. So. I don't know how I would sit there in that moment and be like, how do I take, is that a compliment or is that an insult? Cause I can take that either way. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, you got you got to leave the ego behind, and remember yeah. what I do and who I am. So I had to stay in my character. I couldn't have ripped off the beard and said, "Do you know who I am? What do you?" you know, that's not a. That's not my personality. B. That's not my style. And C. I'm working. So. Yeah, you want to be a professional on set. I understand that fully. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not one look. You hear stories about Keanu Reeves. Keanu is a sweetheart. Keanu is a sweetheart. He's a humanistic man. He gives a shirt off his back every day. If I can be half the man he is, forget about it. You know, he's he's such a sweetheart. He really is. So who's the worst actor that you've worked with? Or are you willing to even say that? You know, you you can't you can't say worst because that's that's nebulous. Worst is what? It's your opinion versus what somebody else thinks about what they do versus a critic watching a movie. You know, I'm the worst actor you've ever seen, I'm sure. So, you know, it, it really, it's, it's dependent upon what you see and what you view and how you see as the worst versus the best. Oh, that's a good answer. I like that answer. Now my first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> ain't gonna get you i gotta write that down i gotta write that one down man write it down for me that was good that I'll was send, really good i'll send you that <laughs> clip <laughs> oh. that was good 
So what's your favorite film that you've been in so far? Um, every one of them. It's like Tom, it's like asking Tom Brady, what's his best Super Bowl? They're all special. Um, I am really happy recently with Dahlia. Um, and I told you the reasons why early on. I'm really happy with that. Uh, great people's coming out. I can't wait to see it because I know I'm going to be blown away and happy with that. Um, it's really just next, whatever's next, you know, and I, I've got a bunch of things coming up for next year already. I'm going to, I'm finishing out the year strong, but I already have a bunch of big projects lined up for next year. I'm going to be overseas, uh, probably halfway through the year for a few months. And, um, it just, it's, it's exciting. It's scintillating. It's just, you just, you just don't know. And I know I'm tough enough on myself. So if I get the accolades, even if a friend says, hey, man, great job, that means the world to me because they know what it takes to get that job done. You know, Jim Demonic says, you know, uh, with the critics, believe, no, don't take what they say to heart. Don't take their critique to heart and don't take their accolades and don't believe the accolades. Or something to the effect. I might have screwed that up. So Mad Hatter, the movie Mad Hatter with Helena Hutchins as our DP. Rest in peace. You know that name. Alec Baldwin, Helena Hutchins. Mm-hmm. So so the uh, the movie came out and I, I made it in the masthead of, I think it was like the uh, Variety. So Variety, I'm going to sum it up for you. And I was laughing my ass off on the way to the gym. The Mad Hatter sucks. The actors suck. The scripts suck. Suck, suck, suck. Dennis Mallon sucks. And now I'm in the masthead and I'm laughing my butt off. And I called Jim. I sent it to Jim. He goes, what do you think? I go, dude, I'm, I'm laughing my butt off. I never sucked so bad. And he's like, don't believe the accolades. Don't take the accolades to heart. Don't take the critiques, critiques to heart. Let it go. So I walk into the gym and I'm in such a good mood. Like, what's the matter? Oh, it just came out with a review. Yeah, how is it? Dude, I suck. And my buddy's like, dude, you're crazy. I go, no, I'm in the, I'm in variety. I'm in the masthead. Hello. Dennis Mallon's in the masthead. And how many people have seen this? Now they know my name. They're going to see my big nose. So. (laughs) Oh. You've got to look at it that way. It's when they stop talking about you. When they stop talking about you that you worry. Yeah, that's true. Good or bad. You're still getting talked about. I mean, everybody has the bad, you know, the bad critics. You you could be the most perfect actor, most perfect anything. Everybody's going to find that one little flaw and pick on it. You know, and it is, it is what it is. It's all good. You know, that's their job. If, if you're going to pay good money to see me, you, whomever, you should expect certain aspects you should expect certain things there's, i don't think there's anything wrong with that do you think that i personally uh, don't do you think that's kind of a factor when it comes to actors quitting is it the reviews and the critiques and things like that what do you mean uh so you know a lot of people when they get negative reviews it kind of sends them down into a depression it kind of builds from there do you think that kind of helps a, lot, a percentage of the young actors coming up that they want to quit because of bad negative critiques. I, you know, 
I can't speak for everyone because I, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just know what what I go through, and you know I I've got a real small circle of friends, a real small small circle, like five fingers with two. Okay, two out of five fingers, right? And I, I keep it like that. And I live in Highlands County, Florida, where I can hide and I can check out. You know, get my groove on, go to New York, go to go to Savannah, go to L.A., but come back here and hide. You know, I'm working. I'm working a lot, thank God. So I, I think I'm pretty decent at what I do because if I if I truly sucked, like certain levels of suck, I wouldn't be working. You get it? I'm working. That's true. So I must be okay at what I do, getting better at what I do, or I wouldn't be making a dime. <laughs> I'd be poor and probably say, screw it, I'm out. But um, I'm pushing the ball forward every day, and the jobs are getting bigger, the checks are getting bigger. And I I do think, you know, I mean, you you don't listen to, you know, hey, man, you're awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate every autograph I've given out, uh, every picture I've taken, every interview I've done. I appreciate it. You got to keep yourself in check. You got to have a strong enough ego, okay, because here's – the ego can play two sides, right? You got to have a strong enough ego where you can keep yourself in check. Hear me. Keep yourself in check and know you're only as good as your last and you're only as good as your next. What is your next? Because I can wrap something up, get paid, move on, and go home and have nothing next. What is next? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis, love that actor. Lincoln, Academy Award, made oodles of money. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. Now, God willing, maybe someday I'll get to that level where I can fall off the face of the earth and go pursue, you know, Tibetan Buddhism. I, You know, I, I don't, you get my point? I'm mm-hmm. not there. So I've got to work it every day and push it forward every day. So. Awesome. Are you, are you learning the mind of Mal and how scary it is? I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of in awe right now. I'm just soaking <laughs> it in. That was a very that was an enlightening moment for me right there. Not gonna lie, that's a. You, uh, you got to email me that too. I got to write this stuff down. I'm giving you all my. <laughs> I'm giving you a lot of good stuff, bro. That was, and and that's not a being a hundred percent, right? Hey, I'm a little under the weather. I'm getting good stuff. I'm enjoying this 100%. Thank you. So you obviously don't kind of live the normal. Well, we already talked about this, but, you know, just to let everybody know that you don't really live the normal Hollywood life. You know, that question has come up a few times already. Okay, let me me kind of rephrase that. (laughs) There's not really a normal Hollywood life, is there? Because everybody's a little bit different. Correct. You got to be a little crazy to do what we do. You got to be a little, little attached in the head. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm here with my cats. It's me and my two cats. And I don't get into politics. I don't get into stuff that doesn't serve me and stuff I can't serve. And when I'm wrong with something, my cats let me know. And when I'm right with something, my cats let me know. And that's okay that this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Um, 
where am I going to be tomorrow? Well, I'm a Christian, and that's in that God. I feel really comfortable and really positive as to where I am and the reason why I'm here. So it's a matter of having a certain amount of trust. It's a matter of having a certain amount of faith. It's a matter of trying to control what I can control, which are two things, right? You remember what they are? I'm going to quiz you now. What are the two things I control? Your personality. Okay. My attitude and my work ethic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Your attitude and work ethic. I know that's where you were going, but that's, but, but that's my thing. And, you know, I've got a routine that I follow and it's Ed Milet's routine because I'm not worth 200 plus millions of dollars. So success leaves clues. So if Ed says I wake up at 6am and the first thing I do is jump, jump up and down 10 times. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump up and down 10 times. And I thank God that's not what he does, but success leaves clues. And I'm going to follow certain routines because routines and habits serve you. Let that settle in for a second. So as an indie actor, before you had a manager and an agent manager slash agent, Yep. Doing it all yourself. How much work goes into that? How much does, you know, how, how long after work, your nine to five, does it take to really take off? Well, you know, I, again, being an entrepreneur and I, I wish certain people were on the show listening to it. Cause I get questioned in nausea that I'm not an entrepreneur. Actors are entrepreneurs, period period. I don't punch a clock. I'm not W2. I don't get a check for showing up. So you're an entrepreneur. Okay. Now, when I was working full time, I really never checked the clock because I just had goals and I had a work ethic where I would do whatever it takes. Hey, you need to be on set at 11 PM. We're going to go to about six, 7 AM. Okay. So you just do what you have to do. You know, your dreams have to be bigger your dreams have to scare you at times and your dreams have to be bigger than you. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Now, again, unfortunately, I'm sorry. I, I can't give you, well, you know, on Fridays it takes, you just, you, you just into it and you roll with it. You know, how many hours do I send out emails? How many hours do I have phone calls, podcasts, um, uh, talking, reading scripts? I don't know because it's part of what it's part of my gymnasium. It's part of my doing the reps. How much time do I spend at the gym? Probably too much. But so what? I'm maintaining my instrument and I've got to keep it fine tuned. Me, my instrument. And I've got to keep it fine tuned. So if I've got to go do an extra rep or go sit in a sauna or go jump rope, guess what I'm doing? If I have to be on set at 11 p.m. and go to 6, 7 a.m., guess what I'm doing? I'm on set. I was just in Tampa. Um Last week, actually, with an overnight shoot. So no, I'm not. You know, I I'm not at a at a point. No, will I ever be where? What's? Oh my God! You kidding me? No. You need me. You tell me where, and I'll be there. Period. I'll be there early. So, work ethic. You're born with it. (laughs) No, it's something that you can. uh, It's something that you can. You can work on definitely. People that need to work on, especially coming out of COVID, you know, coming out of their house, getting back into the work, you know, work routine. 
you know, it's it's interesting. I was interviewed up at the Empire Spooky Festival in Orlando where we saw Dahlia. And the last question this guy asked me, what what advice do you have to new actors? And I said, run, run far away, <laughs> stay in school, stay in school, live in your parents' basement till you're 30. This is by far the most competitive thing I've ever done. And unless you're mentally, physically, spiritually ready, you ain't going to be able to do it. And, you know, he was laughing, you know, it's all ha ha ha, but yeah. This is by far now. I was a young executive. I was a financial professional, highly successful. This is the toughest job, the toughest business, the toughest sport I've ever played. And it's not like they show you in the movies, is it? What's that? It's not like they show you in the movies, is it? (laughs) I don't know. It's not all that glamour and uh, gold. Oh, no. Yeah, from that perspective, I mean, a 30-second commercial, why does a 30-second commercial take three days to shoot? Three 12-hour days. Think about it. You know, why does a feature film, a 90-minute, two-hour feature film take 90-plus days and then two years to edit? (laughs) It's like making sausage. You ever make sausage? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You have? I never have. I hear it's a pretty sloppy, long process, pretty complicated process. And if you screw it up, you screw it up. Yeah. So now I, um, yeah, you, you're right. Unless you're on set and, uh, that's my gymnasium. I love being on set. I always learn so much. So what kind of hobbies do you have outside of acting? What do you do in your spare time? Other uh, than I working sleep. out as well. So sleep. <laughs> I, you know, you know, I, I like to read, um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of balancing a few books right now. I'm reading Frank Herbert's biography by his son, Brian dreamer of Dune. It's a Goliath of a book. It's, it's, it's thick. And, uh, when I checked it, I, I do go to the library. I checked it out of the library. I go, can I get an extended checkout on this? She goes, well, you know, you got two weeks, and then you, if we extend it for you twice, we'll text you or email you. I go, all right. She goes, you okay? I go, it's a bigger book. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm listening to Great Expectations. I saw the movie back in the day with, uh, with um, oh, my gosh, Robert De Niro. I think it's Claire Danes. I don't remember exactly. And... Uh, an actor that escapes me. And I was just really impressed. I was impressed that they, they did it all in a certain, like a, like a hue of green, you know, and it was like a modern day adaptation. And, uh, I really, I should look at, I should try to find it tonight and watch it again. You know, I, I watch stuff like that. When I need a master's class, I put on Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Okay. If you don't know Kenneth Branagh, you need to know Kenneth Branagh. He's, He's my man crush. He's my mentor from afar. He doesn't know it. And I worked with him on Woody Allen Celebrity, and I was so close. It was just, we had a scene together. It was, it was surreal. Uh, him, me, Charlize Theron. Uh, and they both don't talk to me. I don't understand why. I don't know what happened. But just just playing, just joke. No, they still don't talk to me. But um, blah, blah, blah. I put on Hamlet, four hours of Hamlet. Now, he played Hamlet. Okay, Shakespeare. He played Hamlet, Kenneth Branagh. Oh, he directed it. Oh, by the way, he also produced it. Oh, my gosh. 
you know, you might as well take on, go, go work out and try to bench press a thousand pounds. Cause that's what the guy did. And he did it successful and did multiple reps. That's what I do. when I need my master's class. When I watch certain movies, you know, Denny Villeneuve's Dune, loving it, loving it. Talking to uh, Robbie Hawks, the, the director of Dahlia, and talking about Dune and stuff like that. He's uh, he's a sci-fi guy like me. And he goes, look, you cannot compare the David Lynch movie to the Denny Villeneuve movie. It's not fair. The David Lynch movie uh, did it Shakespearean. And it said so in the book that I'm reading right now. It just came across that page today. Whereas Denny Villeneuve brought his own vision to it. And Denny Villeneuve maybe touched about 100 pages of book one. David Lynch squeezed in 300 plus pages into 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So don't fault anybody. But you, need, you needed to know the story for the first movie. This movie, character development was key. Great, talented actors. And you can just, just let it unfold in front of you. You know, people ask me, you know, what is your ideal role? And at first I tell them, and no disrespect, I will be the next Mandalorian. Now, as I tell you that, I'm not cast in Mandalorian, but I'm just putting that out there into the, you know, Star Wars universe, into the Disney universe. I am the next Mandalorian. But I will give anything to be in Denny Villeneuve's Dune. And what I love about it, HBO is taking on a few a few Frank Herbert Dune-esque projects. So back to what we said a little bit ago, there's so much more opportunity because of streaming platforms and content. There's so much content out there. People need actors, producers, directors, writers. They need an avenue. And it just it gets me excited every day when I see the, the coming of the Jonah streaming network. That's great because here's another avenue, you know? Right. There's more ways to get out there. That's so what do, what do I do? What do I do when I'm by myself? Uh, that's none of your business. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I work out. I go to Panera's. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty boring. Actually, I've got a pretty boring existence. I'm, I'm always thinking about business. I'm either on the phone coaching newer actors. I'm either on the phone with part of my management team. I had a call with Natalie Perry tonight. We're talking about a book um, that we're going to write, excuse me, a screenplay that we're going to write based on a book, a true life story. I'm looking at my shelves right now. Uh, We're going to get this movie done. True life story. A good friend of mine, Jan Masters. So Natalie's reading it right now. She's like, oh my God, it's so scary. Did this really happen? I go, yes, yes. Yes, Natalie. It's a true story. Oh my God, the pictures. You didn't tell me about the pictures. Natalie, put the book down, walk away, read it tomorrow. Oh my God. So, you know, it's just, and I'm, I'm not making fun of her. I love her dearly, part of my management team. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I I socialize. I go to the Montserrat wine bar once, twice a week. You know, I like my red, like my resveratrol. And I, I'm a pretty boring guy. I, I you know, I, you know, I, the question a while ago, well, since you're part of Hollywood, how does it feel living the Hollywood lifestyle? I have no idea. I have no idea. Do I like to go party? Sure. I'm going to be going to a film festival in Orlando. I'll be partying this weekend, <clears throat> you know, um, but that's it. I, I'm, I'm able to get my groove on and then go hide. If that makes any sense whatsoever. 
I'm not of the age. I'm not a 20 something where I need, you know, the song subdivisions from rush. I'm not going to get caught like, like, like rats, you know, in, in the race of life, you know, the neon lights, they don't, they don't draw me in like a fly. So I'm able to do what I need to do, be as professional as I can give you the director, um, my best performance. And then it's wrapped and I go home. Go home, get some popcorn and pop a movie, you know. You know, go watch uh go watch a baseball game. The uh the Phillies and the Astros are in the big game, right? What happened to my Yankees? What happened to my oh Mets? Oh my gosh, do you want to talk about that? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I really do not. Thank you very much, Jonah. No, I um no, I mean I'll be on the phone with a with a writer producer one o'clock in the morning going over stuff. Um, I don't get overly excited until I'm on set and the director says action. That's me because it's business, it's business, it's business. I'm preparing as I should. And as soon as I'm on set, makeup, wardrobe, block the scene, director goes action, then my adrenaline, then I get excited. But prior to that, there's so many things that may happen in pre-production that you might not even get it done. So stay grounded. Stay focused, stay grounded, stay humble, and keep at it. So, okay, I'm going to quit saying so. What is the, who is the one actor that you would love to sit down and have a three-hour dinner with? Pacino. <laughs> Mr. Pacino. I've come so, so close. Uh, Devil's Advocate, Scent of a Woman, uh, uh, The Irishman. So close. My dream and dream is nothing more than a goal written down. That's a dream. Okay. That's a goal, right? Write it down to do a scene with him, either a 30 second scene, a 60 second scene, a freaking movie with him, but want, you know, like we're talking, do a scene with him. That would be the apex of my career. Oh my gosh. That would be crazy. Yeah. Pacino. Awesome. Pacino. I mean, I grew up watching The Godfather. I'm 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 ethnically ambiguous. I'm Irish, Italian, Brazilian. I go over to my grandfather's house. Grandpa was from Calabria, Italy, grandma from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Interesting dynamic. I go over there, you know, Columbus Day, the Godfather's on, Christmas, the Godfather's on, Easter, St. Patty's Day, you know, Festivus. The Godfather's always on. So you you're watching this, and okay, it's brutal for a for a five-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old to watch, whatever, but it's masterpiece. It's Mario Puzo, right? The ma- masterful writing. It's uh what's the what's the director's name again? <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola, right? It's just, you know, Robert Duvall, you know, everybody in the it's just it's just amazing, amazing talent, amazing crew. And I think what really got me into it, what was I seven when Star Wars came out? And it opened up a whole new universe. Who Star Wars? Oh my gosh! I was saying the other day, if George Lucas had half the technology available to him thirty plus years ago, forty years ago, where would everything be today? But with his company, Industrial Light Magic, he created the technology, okay, to catch up to his vision. Let that settle in for a second. He created the technology 
to catch up to his vision and his mindset. That's just, that's just amazing. That's entrepreneurship at its finest right there. Without a doubt. It's like Elon Musk being five years old and saying gas is too expensive. I'm going to use my AAA batteries to make a car. Huh? What? Right. That's a good analogy right there, but that's, Lucas created the technology. I'm sure there are other other people, other companies, Pixar, you know, um, you know, all all those companies and whatnot. But just forget about it. So it's it just blows my mind. Yeah. So what has been the most enlightening moment of your career? Every time you're on set, you learn, and I'm not dodging you. Every time you're on set, you learn. If you're in the proper mindset, you're always growing. You're always learning. Um, I'll never direct because I'm too hard on myself and people would hate me. And I was kind of asked to be a first AD in this one short for a friend of mine. And in the pre-production meeting, I said, look, you're going to hate me. Now, she was technical, which was awesome because I'm not technical. And I was able to work with the actors and it came out really, really, really well. But I've never gone back to acting. I produce and, you know, I've had breakthroughs with producing because I think I'm a good, I'm a communicator. I think I'm a pretty good communicator, <clears throat> but I can't, I've got to manage the shop tighter. When I produce, I need to manage the shop tighter because let's say you're the executive producer. It's your script. It's your vision. It's me. You're hiring me as a producer. I'm your CEO to go achieve your vision. And I hired the director, the casting director, the UPN, the DP, and I hire the best of the best and I empower them. But I demand a certain amount of communication. I expect a certain level of communication. Don't call me when the set's on, when the set's a full blaze. Call me and talk to me when there's a little spark. We can settle it and take care of business because in movies, stuff will go wrong. And it's a matter, I, I think, kind of putting on the producer hat, I, I definitely had a lot of breakthroughs. I, I produced, I was an executive producer for this one film way back. And I believed in this young writer, this young director, and I, I put money into it. Um, but the person didn't respect me enough to communicate back. And the person didn't understand contracts. And I had a solid contract written up where if anything happened, I'm going to invest X and I own Y. So I hope that movie makes money because I own X percent of it, regardless of you're not willing to communicate with me. And again, I'm the kind of guy I'll wait, uh, I'll lay awake all night thinking, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I demanded communication because A, it's my money, B, it's my name, and C, I'm producing it. So we're going to make a kick-ass, classy, number one film. So I, I, I learned a lot from that experience and um, I need to be more choosy with what I come in and produce. I need to keep surrounding myself with people that I trust. When I say trust, I say with a big T at the end, dot, 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 trust, but verify trust, but communicate trust, but keep it professional trust, but you are their boss. So communicate what you expect and expect them to communicate back and make sure you're on the same page, which is tough because when you're working with creatives, you might read a script. I might read a script. We might be on three separate pages, 
well, it's my job to wrangle you in and to get us all on the same page. When we're all playing from the same sheet music, you make magic. If four instruments are playing different music, what the heck are you doing? You, you're making noise, right? Yeah. That's another good analogy. I hope you're writing this stuff down, bro. That's I'm giving you such good stuff. I'm telling you, well, it's all recorded. It's going to be, I'm not going to hide it from the public. It's going to be shared knowledge, my man. Good, man. Good, man. And I'll bust new chops. You know that. It just, I'm having fun with you and I appreciate you. Oh, whatever you want, dude. I'm going to take them out and I'm going to make them little snippets so I can send them to you and you can use them <laughs> as a, I'll do that. I'll edit it out and I'll make these little things you can put on Instagram and Twitter to where it's, that little saying, bro. <laughs> the, That's the wonders of technology today. Right. Well, I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna take up any more of your time. I know you're a busy, dude. You probably gotta get back to some stuff. But I did have one more question. <laughs> but I, I got my cats waiting on me. What, what, what you got? <laughs> no, I don't. What I'm you not, got? I'm not gonna bring it up. I'm what you got? Save, I'm gonna save it for off air. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, you can always cut it out. So okay, I might move it around. So we've been talking, and you don't talk sex, politics, and religion. So the three cardinal yeah. rules of a conversation, right? Because it doesn't matter. You've yeah. done how many podcasts? You've done thirty-four podcasts, right? This year, this being my thirty-fifth this year. Over the years, Jonah, I don't know. I can't count that high, bro. I, I don't know. Have you had any of know. them try to bait you in to try to get it out of you? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had this one guy. Um, it's got to be close to a year ago. He asked me a question. He goes, I got got one last question. I'm like, all right, what you got? You know, I thought it's like, well, what's coming up? What's What's going on? What's your next project? He goes, Name three actresses that you want to work with, kill, or F. And I'm like, what? And he repeated it. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate <laughs> you. I got to go. I'm like, are you freaking kid? Really? I'm trying to get my career going. You're going to get me canceled, kid? What the hell are you doing? So, you know. And that was just, I haven't heard from that guy since. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I don't expect to. Yeah, I've heard of some hosts of podcasts, you know, they'll try to bait you into try to get the politics out of you and your thoughts about them. Look, here's the thing I, I learned early on. If if a producer's looking at me, okay, and he's and he likes that candidate, he, he likes that candidate, that person, whatever. And I go on Facebook and I go, ah, blah, 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 terrible. And he, that's his candidate. Well, I've just cut my nose off, right? I just, I just lost an opportunity because I can't, conversely, it's the other side too. So why am I going to go on and pontificate about something that I know about, I'm up to speed with, okay? But what does my opinion really matter? What does my opinion really matter? If God wanted me to be in politics, Jonah, I'd be king. I'm not king. Okay. I'm an actor. I'm blessed with what I do. I think I'm pretty good at what I do. I got a little skill at what I do. And I, I have no need to 
pontificate on things that I don't know all that much about. My cats know my opinion. If you can get my political opinion out of my cats, man, you are a freaking genius. But outside of that, man, nope. Nope, can't do that, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't even, people love my social media because like people have told me, dude, you're so, you're just a marketeer. You're a marketing guru. You don't get into anything. I go, I go, no, I I go, I, I really try to avoid that stuff. And if I post something and it gets people attack it from a different perspective, I delete it. I delete it. You know, because I'm not going to share with you how I do this, how I do that, why I do this, why I do that. You want to talk about business? I'll talk to you all day long. I'll give you all my secrets all day long. But outside of that, no, it's it's between me and my cats. That's the three cardinal rules of conversation, man. Yeah. I mean, when I'm at the gym and when I'm, when I'm with my circle, okay, great. But outside of that, man, no, it's – look – there's no need to uh, to get into any of that anywhere. It doesn't serve anything. Awesome. I'll probably cut off. The, the world's on fire, bro. The world's on fire. You got to take <laughs> care of you. You got to take care of yours. And you got to do what you got to do. Um, you know, when you get a call from an agent or from a producer, you got to act like you've been there. You got to act like you belong there. You can't get all geek, geek, geek. You got to act like you belong there. You know? You're a professional. Act like it, damn it, you know? And that's that's what I tell everybody. That's what you, you'll never see me go on Facebook. Booked it. Well, you're supposed to be booking. That's part of the process. When I'm on set, I'll, I'll post that I'm on set, that I'm working, but not, oh, just had a great audition, and I nailed it. No, that's not, you know, that's part of the process. I'm hoping you're nailing stuff. I'm hoping you're getting those auditions, you know? Right. I mean, we've been on we've been on for a while now. I mean, am I am I crazy with my thoughts? Am I grounded with my thoughts? Am I solid with my thoughts? I mean, you've had a lot of people you've interviewed. What do you think? You're pretty solid. You're pretty solid yeah. with your thoughts and the way you're going about things. You know, I mean, I, I'm certainly not looking for anybody else to, you know, eat the oatmeal the way I do because it'll be boring. <laughs> but it's just. It's just, it, it is what it is. I mean, I've developed this mentality over the years and, you know, if it serves you, stick to it. That's not saying I'm not growing because I am growing and I do, I do change. I mean, and once we, once we get off air, I, I, I got a story for you, but you know, you've got to grow every day, man. You're either growing or you're dying, you know, yep. and you're, I'm, you're I'm, not, I'm up. hoping you're not huh? only growing yourself, you're helping those those younger actors see what it's actually like and saying, hey, you know, this is what you need. To, this is what worked for me. This is where you should be working your weaknesses at. Well, you know, it's just, you know, what is pain? Weakness leaving the body, right? To coin a phrase, Marines, whatnot, whatnot. It's just it's just a matter of doing what you need to do and and push the ball forward every day. You have to have a business mentality. This is a business. I'm an entrepreneur. Period. I was challenged with that just the other day. This is being an entrepreneur. I don't get a, a check for, 
for serving time. I don't punch a clock. I'm not W2. If this, if everything relies on you to make it happen, to feed your family, to pay your bills, to have your lifestyle, are you going to treat it like it's a part-time club type of thing? Or are you going to go out there and bust it? I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm all about. So, and you can't expect people to be like you. You can't. And so I don't. And so I can give you the nuggets and I can do podcasts and I can, you know, spill out, spiel who I am, what I do daily. And maybe 1% will pick up on it. Maybe 1%, maybe half 1%. And I hope that 1% or whomever, whomever can get something out of this. I hope it, it does make an impact on, on their life. Cause I, I, I'm not a prick. I'm prickly. I'm not a prick. I'll help anybody with anything, but I'm as serious as a heart attack. I mean, I, I just got a national commercial that I did about a month ago and just found out my big nose is going to be on a billboard coast to coast and the commercial is going to run coast to coast. So I posted on, on social media. I'm like, now you get to see my big nose <laughs> all over the area. My sister's like, you don't have a big nose. I go, yes, I did. You told me so. She goes, did I, you know, so it's just, you got to be self-deprecating too. You got to really be self-deprecating and you've got to, you've got to roll with it. Well, that's awesome, man. And I appreciate you coming on and I enjoyed this conversation and I hope that, uh, you can come back again and we continue this. This is awesome. Thank you. I'd love to, I'd love to, we'll keep in touch, you know? Oh yeah. You're always welcome back. You're part of the blue collar crew now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where can everybody find you? Sure. Dennis Mallon, M-A-L-L-E-N. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I TikTok. I'm on YouTube. Currently developing a website. Anybody can help me with a website and we can partner up. I'd be more than happy. Find me. I'm out there. I'm the only Dennis Mallon on the internet. My son is not a big internet guy, internet kid. So Dennis Mallon, M-A-L-L-E-N. And if I can help anybody with anything, Jonah, anything, please reach out. Be more than happy to. Go hit him up. Go watch his movies. He's got some good stuff out, especially Killer Miller. Love that one. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in the Blue Collar Enlightenment Show and at the BCE Show on Twitter. Give us a follow and remember to give us a rate and review. Helps the podcast be filmed. Thanks for listening.